Hey, thanks for checking out our show. If you like what you hear, we have tons of additional content at patreon.com slash the media lunch break. How's it going? Good. Yeah. Yeah. What? That seemed like a loaded. Yeah. That seemed. It should. What's up? What's tentative? Are you canceling the show? No. This is what's happening right now. No, okay. no, never. It feels like a breakup. What's happening? No. First of all, your blood debt to me has not yet been fulfilled. <laughs> and it never will. And I'll always make sure of it. The tentativeness is because I'm telling the truth. It feels weird to be telling the truth. No, that everything's normal. Oh, yeah. Which means that at any moment, it's all going to go to shit. Right. Yeah. I'm hesitant to even say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. I'm I'm looking around like what's what's going to fall over on me. Yeah. What's going to explode? I will say our cat, the new one is ill. Okay, but it's nothing that isn't fixable. And we're going to try to go to the place we adopted her from and, uh, Get them to pay for it. Ace Hardware, I think it was. Yes, that's that right. That's right. Yeah, we have the receipt still. Good. That's fine. I think they have a 30-day return policy on all live animals. But our first of all, they got the age of the cat wrong by three years. That's a significant amount for an animal that only lives about 16. Yeah, at best. Yeah. They said one year old. We took her to the vet, and they were like, this cat is like four years old, maybe three. Right. And they were like, also... Horrible teeth problems, like she's missing half her teeth. Also, she'll be dead in a week. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she had some sort of like fungus in her ears. So they're like, for the teeth, they're looking at like, like we just gave her an antibacterial for the ear thing, and that's not a huge problem. But like for the teeth, it's looking like it's going to be $500. Right, 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 right. So we're like, hey, we asked if there were any medical problems or concerns we should have, and you guys said no, and you should be taking this cat to the vet fairly regularly. Right. So we're going to go back and hopefully they'll answer the phone. (laughs) (laughs) You just go back to the store and it's like... It's just an empty store, just tumbleweeds rolling through it. Yeah, there's an old man on the sidewalk who's like, that store's been closed for 30 years. Oh, man. How are you? I'm also going to do the tentative thing and be like, we're um, good. I think we're okay. Yeah, weirdly enough, I was able to like set things up in a timely fashion. That was nice. Ryder hasn't broken through the floorboards yet? Not yet. But um, we're pretty sure he's going to be standing pretty soon because he was trying to climb up something. Emerson, I think at this time he was already standing. But if you remember, we were in a much smaller place. So there was always like something for him to grab onto. He also had a lot less to hold up. Right. That's true. Although he was also quite the chunk as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he always had like, because our apartment was smaller, there was always something with an arm's reach, uh, like a couch or something to grab onto and lift himself up. And Ryder doesn't quite have that. You know, since we moved into this mansion. Yeah, exactly. Your New York mansion. Yeah, absolutely. So today he was grabbing onto like his uh, jumper, like the pole. He was on the ground and he was grabbing onto I always onto just assumed that he was kind of always standing because he's kind of shaped like a weeble. Yeah. He just wobbles. Yeah. And then always comes back upright. Yeah. You know those birds that like dip into the water and then always comes back up? Oh, yeah. The drinky bird. Yeah. The drinky bird. He's that. He's the drinky bird of babies. It's hard to say drinky bird and not sound slightly drunk. I thought you were going to say it's hard to say drinky bird while drunk. It's hard to say drinky bird and not want to get drunk. It's hard to take a breath and not want to get drunk. Telling me. Everybody, 
welcome to the media lunch break, bringing you all of your comic geek and movie news, all the time it takes to eat a good sandwich and fall off the wagon. My name is Chris Treble. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Dunn. Say hello, Andrew. The wagon or maybe off a cliff in the middle of space. It's all very relative, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, actually, I just want to check. Andrew, did you get that email? Did you get the email that Marvel sent out? Marvel sent out an email to everyone on Earth that apparently it's time to go back to the movies. Apparently we're supposed to go back. No, I'm a uh, staunch conservative. Yes. So uh, I've been going to the movies this whole time. Have you not seen any of the movies? Uh, I haven't, but apparently Marvel said it's okay to go back to the movies. And so they provided a movie for us to all go back to. Yeah, no, I've been going to movies this whole time. That's why I'm very ill. Oh, okay. That explains it. That explains the cough Uh and the sweating Uh, and uh, (laughs) the way that your shirt has that bagginess to it now. Yeah, I see. (laughs) So... (laughs) And to welcome everyone back to the movies, they went ahead and released this movie that they were going to release like four times ago, but now just released it. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't help as well that it's a prequel. Ah. So it feels like it's even further detached. It's an in-betweequel. No, it isn't. I mean, it's in between something. You know how I know? Because you're not going to convince me to use the word tweak when talking about this movie. I think I'm the first one to say in betweenquel. I, I think people usually say in betweenquel. That's too difficult. And I think I said it incorrectly, but in saying it incorrectly, I like mine better. Yeah, if you think Drinky Bird is hard to say, my yeah, God. that's true. So anyway, Black Widow finally came out after it was filmed in the mid to late 80s or something like that. <laughs> And would you like a brief description of the film? I would love one. Thank you. Well, I've got good news for you. Super soldiers, brainwashing, facing the mistakes of your past. Marvel's latest film in the MCU shows our protagonists face all of these while working to bring down an underhanded organization from the inside. Our hero will question everything they know. Our old friends, enemies, our strangers, allies. Did Bucky really dot? Wait, Bucky. Oh, sorry. I was reading the Wikipedia for the Winter Soldier. Yes. Yes. Well done. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Thank you. I was like, he's going to bring this around to something. And I had no idea what. (laughs) And there it was. Yeah. It's very similar, right? It is. It does. Definitely. Black Widow definitely has has that. So before we get into it, I'll just say up front spoilers for Black Widow. I'm sure we can start off somewhat spoiler free. But at a certain point, we're just going to like forget that we said we were going to start off that way and just haul off into it. So I'll just start off right away and say spoilers for Black Widow. If you haven't seen it yet. What the hell else is there to go to right now? You can see it on your couch. Yeah. I take it you went out to a theater to go see this. You didn't shell out 30 bucks to watch it on your. That's correct. I shelled out 30 bucks to watch it somewhere else. Okay, good. Excellent. I've shelled out 30 bucks to put my clothes on. Right. Get in my car on a hot summer day. Yeah. Drive my ass to a place where food is three times the cost of rent. Yes. And then I sat in an uncomfortable chair next to a stranger. Okay. And then I I watched this movie. I mean, that's worth the thirty bucks for the for the experience. Yes, really. that's right. Did Mel go with you to this? Did she? She see did. It? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you do with the kid? Leave him in the car? No. What we we lost him ages ago. He he's been out back. He went into the backyard. Right. I'm sorry. You did tell me about the new cat. You're right. My bad. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. Yeah, that's, actually, that's what you. That's, actually, that's why you got the new cat, right? To pl- replace the kid. Not to give away an old family secret, but what we actually did was glue cat ears to the kid, and then we just left, and we were like, oh, it's our cat. Oldest trick in the book. <laughs> 
Yeah, he he was with. Uh, we had her her parents come over and watch him. Oh, nice! And it was nice. It was like the first real date we've been able to go on since he was born. I think because yeah. he he was yeah, born yeah. right when COVID hit. He went to his first restaurant a couple of weeks ago. Right. This right. is the first time that we've been able to go. out. We got dinner. It was like a. It was just like we used to watch movies. Like we just. Went out, got something to eat, and watched a movie. I know. This was just like how we used to watch movies separately. This is just like how we used to watch movies before a horrible disease took over the world. I asked Sarah. I was like, I got to go do this. Do you want to go with me? Because we haven't been out to movies in a while. And she's like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> like, she was. I was like, do you, are you worried about going to a movie theater? She's like, no, I just don't fucking want to see this movie. What do you, I, I'll, I'll wait. I'll go back to the movies to a movie I want to go see. I don't want to see this. And I was like, that's fair. Yeah, which is kind of a shame. But it, like, I, not on her part, but sort of like the Marvel marketing is I, I think they're getting a lot lazier. I think they're getting like, but also it's not like she's not wrong. Like, I don't think this is a movie that she would have enjoyed. You know, what's fun, it, it, funny, actually coming out of this, as far as a comic book movie goes, I think this is one that she could enjoy. But that is with a big old asterisk of... Right, could, not necessarily would, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. this is still a very much a comic book right. movie. But it is sort of an open and shut, like it has bookends. Exactly, exactly. There doesn't need to be a whole lot of explanation of like... At the very beginning, I'd, I'd have to be like, this is in between Captain Yeah, America's There is actually, uh, I have this set to talk about at the end, but there actually is a, a prelude comic yeah. for this that uh, when we were sitting in the theater waiting for it to start... The stranger sitting next to me said, hey, did you drop this? And I looked and it was a comic and I was like, "Uh, no, I didn't. Sorry. And he was like, oh, do you want it? And I was like, "Uh, no, thanks. That's okay. Like, we're already breathing each other's air right after a pandemic. I don't know that I want to grab anything that has been grabbed by a stranger. I didn't say that part to him, but I was just like, no, I'm good. You should have, but definitely worded exactly the way that you said it to me. I should have been like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to take it from you, but can you just sit there and read it to me? (laughs) And then he said, okay, well, we already have two of them. So do you want this? And I was like, fine, I'll fucking take it. Jesus fucking Christ. God damn. Wow! So I took it. I I read it right before we got here. It's it's very silly, uh, it, but it is basically <laughs> it's just very like very silly. It's very uh, silly. It's literally just two characters talking. Those silly comics. They're those silly pictures. <laughs> it's literally just two characters talking to each other about the things that Natasha has done. Oh, cool! Under a guise of like, I need answers, and she's like, Well, huh, what do you know? It's it's Thaddeus Ross. Okay, I think that's his name, right? Thaddeus. Yeah, Thunderbolt. It's Thunderbolt Ross. Old Thundy Ross, I call them. Old Thundy. (laughs) Old Thundy. And the councilwoman whose life was saved by Natasha in Winter Soldier, I think. Like she pretended she put on a mask and pretended to be her and then went to meet Robert Redford. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What a random poll. Of a character. That's the thing is he's like Thaddeus Ross is like, hey, I need your help, councilwoman, because we're trying to track down Natasha. And I need funding and like soldiers and stuff. And I would like your approval for that. And she's like, no fundy for Thundy. (laughs) But she's like, why would I do that when this woman saved my life? And he's like, and then she's like, don't you remember? We were in the Winter Soldier. (laughs) We were were in that movie together. Yeah, basically. And you saw Robert Redford. And there's like shots of like 
panels of it. Yeah. And she was like, get fucked, Thunderbolt. I'm not giving you nothing. <laughs> and then Ross is like, oh, yeah, well, here's another story. Did you know that in that same movie, she admitted that blah, blah, blah happened? And then it's like, well, and they just go through these things that they feel like you need to know. Right. And there's no story arc. Right. It's literally just him going and asking for this thing and her saying no. No fundy for Thundy. Right. And in between that, they're just telling these stories. And then it ends. And I don't think you need to know any of those things. No, you don't need to know any of that stuff. The, the prequel comics are always like, you never need to know any of that shit. It's got cool art, though. Ooh, that is cool. All right. So let's get into this. So first of all, what did you think of this movie? It's good. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I did I too. Had, I had a good time with it. I think it actually does a better job of doing what... Spider-Man Far From Home was trying to do. In what way? You know, we had the Infinity Saga that stretched over the course of like 10 or 11 years and they ended it on Endgame, but then they had one more movie that sort of felt weird, right? Right. And it was just sort of a... weird like epilogue. Right, yeah. yeah. But it wasn't really, right? Like it wasn't really an epilogue. This could have been an epilogue to the Infinity Saga. I think it probably would have done it better. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just going to give it closure. Yeah, ah, I that's I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's that's a good point. Yeah, I I really like this too. I think not that this was by design, but simply by circumstance. Like this being the first Marvel movie back after the pandemic, this is a good one. Yeah, as far as that's concerned, because it, I don't it know is, how much it was worth the wait, but it was good. Yeah, I don't think it was worth the wait, but I also I think I'm willing to to let that go simply because I know some of that was kind of beyond their control you know what i mean like they kept pushing this back and some of that they could have done and some of that they didn't have to do they also built it up where they kept going like no this is going to go directly to theaters we're not doing the premium access thing we're not doing the premium access thing and then finally they folded so it kind of takes some of the air out of what they were saying at least they did both like they did both so that's good i I don't know that i would have i think we talked about this before and both of us were like Unless it's something insanely good, I don't think I'm going to pay like, yeah, I don't even have Disney Plus, so I would have to pay the Disney Plus amount and then like 30 extra bucks. Right, 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 right. That's a lot for me. Yeah, for me, for me as well. If I, uh, you know, again, I think that's always the argument of, hold on one second. What what happened? Really? I'm sorry. I thought it would have been, sorry. My kid is... There it is. Yeah, it is. There it is. I knew it was going to happen sometime. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's apparently so wide awake. Sarah's about to lose a gasket right Have now. Have you tried chloroform? Uh, not yet, but it's if you saw the look in her eyes, it's coming to that <laughs> real fast. What, was I, what, what were we talking about? Probably not worth 30 bucks. What do you think? Yeah, probably not worth it. No, I don't I don't think it was. It would be worth 30 bucks. I mean, if she had been smiling more in the poster, certainly. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, no, I, I honestly, you know, to sit at home and watch it. Listen, when it comes to, to the 30 bucks in the premium access for Disney Plus, it's always one of those things like, is this a movie I'm going to pay 30 bucks for and be able to divvy that up amongst the amount of eyeballs watching this? And I knew, especially with my household, it was going to be me. Well, and especially like right at the end of a pandemic. Like, yeah, exactly. How, like you're not getting all your friends in the room. Yeah. We're not having a viewing party or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I guess now, depending on who you're viewing with, you could, but any other, or this would be like the earliest you could have done that unless you're a Floridian. But you know, I, I was like, no, this is definitely one, a Marvel movie. I really feel like, You lose something if you don't see it in the theater, at least the first time. They do, you know, they still make movies to go to the movies for. And 
two, it's not worth $30. Again, if this had been Infinity War or Endgame, something like that, I'd be like, all right, you know what? I'm going to bite the bullet. This is probably going to be worth watching and shelling out the extra money for just to make sure I see it. This one, and this is not a knock against it. I really like this movie. I really enjoyed this movie, but it's not a movie I would want to shell out extra money for just to make sure I see in a certain time or a certain window, specifically because it is an in-betweener. You know what I mean? It, It, I know essentially how this is going to end. The fun of this movie is not how it ends it's how we it's the journey getting there it's everything that happens yeah, yeah. In well, and it's interesting too that it is not in the infinity saga but it takes place during the infinity saga yeah yeah yeah. so yeah i mean basically the plot is kind of actually kind of what you described you know uh, black widow discovers her sister I mean, they kind of set up with a little, a little, um, what do you call it? I almost said prequel and that's not what I'm looking for. Exposition. Exposition. Thank you. Uh, a little flashback sequence at the very beginning. And then we kind of pick up with, we're at 2016, which is right after civil war. I do need to say you thought Nirvana was sad before. Oh man. They, <laughs> I couldn't even figure really out good, what that right? damn song was for a while. I was like, I know what this song is, but yeah, I can't I figure out what this like, song is. I can't is. understand anything. The singer said Nirvana. Nirvana. That's what it is. <laughs> it's either Nirvana or Pearl Jam. If I can't understand what they're saying. It's true. We tweeted this out. Quote, would you grab the ranch dressing for dad is the most Ohio sentence I've ever heard in my life. Oh man. Is it's it so ever. Midwestern. And the flip side of that is quote, I want to stay in Ohio is the least Ohio sentence sentence i've ever heard in my life also very true yeah so we start off with the with the little exposition beginning a little flashback sequence and then quickly picks up to 2016 we're picking up right after civil war god that was so long ago i know right black widow discovers her sister who says there's a bunch of other black widows out there which we already knew but now what is different from when natasha was in this program is that they stopped programming them psychologically and they program them chemically And Natasha's sister has the cure to free all the Black Widows. And now the chase is on to basically do that, right? So, yeah. So, I have, I mean, I have certain thoughts. I I know that you have certain thoughts as as well. (laughs) Just because we're talking about the exposition little beginning of it. You know we're in what kind of Marvel movie that we're in. And especially, you know, that we're in one of those grittier, down-to-earth you know, spy Marvel movies because it opens with the giant full screen location font. You know, when we have the full font on the full screen, we're like, oh, so we're in one of those Marvel movies. Yeah, very interesting. This felt like it was directed by the Russos. It did. And I think I'm not sure how I feel about them continuously using that. I mean, at first glance, I'm like, I like it because it is striking. And it is now like this established thing that Marvel movies do. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know that I want that to be an established thing. See, I wonder if that was a time period setting that like because the first time they really did that was Civil War. Right. And this takes place right after Civil War. So it might just be like a between Civil War and maybe Endgame. Yeah. Between Civil War and Endgame, all fonts had to be full screen. That was the rule. <laughs> right. They had yeah. to. If you're going to do a font, if you got to tell someone where you are. <laughs> 
and what year it is, you got to blast that full screen. Yeah. yeah. I still do find it very abrasive. It is. I mean, it looks cool, but the first time it comes up, every time I would go, oh, God. Well, it also, I don't remember it being that abrasive in the other movies. Yeah, I'd it, be interested to go back and see what is different yeah. from this one, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it... It was because I remember when they first did it in this one, it said Ohio. And I was like, it scared me. Yes. And not for the usual reason, which is just that it says Ohio. But for like, a, yeah, it was very, yeah, like aggressive, aggressively Ohio. That's the most aggressive Ohio has ever been. Yeah, really. <laughs> it's, right. it's really other than their football team, their college oh, football team. Wow. Did you just make a sports reference? It's the only team I know. The Buckeyes. O.H. Wow. I'm flabbergasted by this moment right now. I don't even know what to do with it. Actually, I have a question for you. Okay. I think I spotted a continuity error. Oh. I I have to dig around for this. I don't know. The My Little Pony that he's holding, I don't believe it's from 1995. Is that correct? Did you see that? Who? When? In the beginning, David Harbour is holding a, a My Little Pony. Because she she grabs a My Little Pony. There's a My Little Pony in that in that opening sequence. You put a lot of your focus where it's in places I had not. I, I've seen it twice now. I do okay. not remember seeing a My Little Pony. I think someone write in. I think that's an, an incorrect My Little Pony. That looked like... Do you think it's from the, like, brony wave? Yes, it looks brony. It looks very brony My Little Pony. My Little Brony. It looks like a brony pony. Okay. It's a brony pony. I have a few like I don't know not, not continuity oh. well I was just gonna say like negative things but we can save them for the end if you want just things that I thought were weird or I didn't understand or stuff like that whichever do you want to do those right now yeah let's do it why not why do they fight when they see each other oh the the first time in, yeah. the, in the apartment yeah, building? yeah yeah I don't know I you know now that Yelena sent the antidote to Natasha right what did she think was I mean she says like oh, I thought you'd take it to the Avengers but it's like what it goes on for a ri- it's a great fight scene it's it goes on for a long time she scene. grabs a fucking knife and tries to stab her yeah. sister and i'm like and then she's like truce and i'm like what yeah we didn't see it like was this not th- i th- i assumed that exposition was the last time she saw them i assume that as well i believe that it is though i think so yeah but it's like well it's a cool fight scene why are we doing it right i i don't really have a good answer for you i was a little it, it is a great fight scene and some of it like the standoffishness of it when they first enter and see each other and they're at gunpoint i was like this this makes sense they're two hardened spies right they haven't seen each other in a while they don't know where each other stands so their natural reaction would be one of defense rather than being like hey how's it they going? also don't know natasha doesn't know if her sister is still under that thing and her sister doesn't know if, like, Natasha, uh, on behalf of the Avengers, maybe is coming to arrest her for being exactly. part of this group or something. But at some point, Natasha says, like, she holds her down on the counter and it's like, stay down. And it's like, at that point, OK, this woman is not trying to kill you. Right. So right. just stay down. Yeah. But I, I will say this. I think their mentalities as Black Widows is even if someone says they're not trying to kill you. They're still trying to kill you. See, I disagree. Based on what we've seen from Natasha, I think she knows how to read the room. Natasha knows how to read the room. Well, where did she learn that from? Right. But that could have been she could have learned how to read the room from the Black Widow program. However, she has changed because she went over to the Avengers. Do you know what I mean? Like, so her. I guess maybe again, I'm in agreement with you. This is me trying to, like, figure this out. Yeah, justify it. Here's my next one. Just like Budapest evidently refers to the two of them killing a man and his daughter. Uh, 
<laughs> I was here's my thing. I like that they used this movie to explain that moment that they've been talking about the whole time for movies and movies on what happened there. And it was something kind of organic to her origin story. And so it fit to finally reveal what that was. That being said, it's such every time we see that in the other movies, it's such a moment between her and Clint. It felt lacking to me, I think, simply because he wasn't there. To reveal. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe. But again, it's like it wasn't some big thing. It was just like, oh, they strapped a bunch of bombs in a guy's office and then killed him and his daughter. Right, right, right. I understand what you're saying. Finding out that that's what that was, I think it felt lackluster to me, again, because the way they, they made it seem, it felt like such a moment for Hawkeye and Black Widow that I was almost like, oh, God, I hope they make an episode of Hawkeye or a separate movie about that. You know, like whatever that was, apparently was so crucial to both of their stories and their relationship to each other that I want to see what that was. You know what I mean? It does make me laugh, though, because Hawkeye says you and I remember Budapest very, very differently. differently. And I'm like, what's really uh, a building blew up and a couple people died. It's, it's pretty cut and dry on that one. Doesn't remind me at all of aliens coming in from another dimension and blowing up Manhattan. I think they only remembered that they talk about this moment all the time. I don't think anyone ever went back and like fact check like when they bring this up and they're like, well, if they bring this up during an alien invasion, then somehow this should ring true that an alien invasion would remind them of this moment. And it didn't. Unless there's more to that, even more to the story that we haven't heard, which I mean... I'm open to if they were like, you know, in the Hawkeye series, he brings it up and there's a whole other flip side to this. I'd be like, okay, I I will accept that. That makes sense. The reason we had to blow up Drakov is because he sent all these aliens after us. Right. Exactly. Remember? Yeah. 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 We were in the middle of the town square and I fired an arrow and blew up a building. Loki was there. Yeah. It was crazy. What did they put in Yelena? The like doctor had like a syringe and he stuck it in Yelena. And why did it have no effect on her? Whatever it was. Wait, when did this happen? He stuck the... In the third act, She remember they, they have her tied down, they're going to like take out her brain or whatever? Oh, right. Right, and right, the, right. For some reason, I've never understood why when a patient breaks out in like a place that is covered in security guards, why the doctors ever try to do anything. Like if I was a surgeon... I'd be like, fuck it, go ahead. Yeah, I'd be go, like, call go, security. Yeah, whatever, I'm, not, I, I'm not trained for this, this or paid for me. this. Yeah, but they all try to stop her. And one of them, before she breaks out, he's about to put like something in her with a syringe. Yes, I remember. And he and jumps he on her, her and hits her, yeah, like right in the neck or something. Oh, yeah. and, it, and when it pans out, it's in her. Like there's nothing in the syringe anymore. And she just takes it out and walks away. And I was like, oh, is there going to be a fight between Black Widow and Yelena? Because Yelena now is like undergoing this like process, this chemical process again of being basically brainwashed. And then it's going to be a mirror to the way that taskmaster like black widow and yelena were both trained the same way so fighting her maybe she would learn she'd be like oh i have to do something differently that yelena won't expect and then she'd do the same thing later with taskmaster after she has learned to do that but that i it just it was like no nope, it's probably just water <laughs> but it was real important to that surgeon to like yeah yeah, yeah. in that moment you're dehydrated <laughs> well that's the thing is that like you said the surgeon is not the security officer right so it's just like <laughs> I got this shit. And he just ejects it with like, it's just, it's just nothing. And he's just like, oh, damn it. It's his hero moment. Yeah, it is. It's just tap water. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, Jerry, what the hell? That's not even, that's, 
You just you just injected her with collagen. <laughs> just, it's nothing. And he's like, wait, well, that's not the syringe full of the sedatives? And she, they're like, we don't do that anymore. We don't inject people with sedatives. You were going to kill this woman. Why do you need to inject her with a sedative? Put a bullet in her head. We're in an operating room in the sky, man. Like, come on. We don't. Where's she gonna go? What the hell? We don't do that. We have technology for this. We've got giant bags of shit, and and we're gonna put her under. I sharpied her forehead. We mean business here. This isn't that back alley hack job you used to work at. Come on, man. Good Christ. It's hard for me to believe that for her universe-saving adventure against the most powerful entity in existence, Natasha chooses to wear a vest that was bought from a gas station. Also, the vest exchange is very weird to me. I like the vest exchange. I was okay with it. Melinda sort of had to explain it to me because I was like, I don't. Wh- why did she give her a vest? And Melinda was like, oh, that's the thing she said at the beginning was like the first thing she ever bought. And so it has meaning. And I was like, I'd completely forgotten about that. So I was like, it might have for me, it might have needed a like. No, I can't take that. Like, that's the first thing you ever bought, you know, and then like, no, I want you to have it because it either like it moved so quick that it was either. A stupid joke that means nothing, which if that's the case, I didn't like it or a like weighted emotional moment, which it wasn't. She just kind of laughs and is like, ha ha ha. I I knew it's because you liked it so much. I don't think it was supposed to be like such a button. I think there were other things along the way and especially other things closer at the end around that moment that were a little heavier of a dramatic moment. I think it was just a nice like. We can call back a joke that happened earlier in the movie and just give it a slightly different spin. I'm not sure that that was supposed to be like the end all and be all like heavy button moment for those two. I think we had seen enough. It just didn't land for me. Yeah, yeah, I get that. It was just like, here, take my vest. But I don't think it was supposed to be any heavier than that. I think there was a little bit of like, oh, that's nice. She's passing it on. But if it isn't, then it's weird. Like, imagine if you had said you liked my vest one day. Yeah. And then it turned out you had to move across the country. And I was like, I want you to have this vest. You know, like, it's so awkward. Yeah, but your vests don't have the amount of pockets that her vest does. What if I sewed some on? Then I would never put anything in those pockets. I would assume they would just fall off as soon as I put something in. I had mouse traps in them. So you put your hands in and they just like. I bet you that's what's in those vests. Oh, maybe. Maybe that's what we did. That was a cut scene. See, she like puts on the vest and everybody leaves and she's like, I got that. Oh, God damn it. (laughs) Maybe she didn't think to check them until she was hanging off of that cliff in space. Yes. And she was like, oh, you know, maybe what we saw was Hawkeye telling what, what, you know, his side of the story so that it's less embarrassing. But in reality, she was hanging off the side and she was like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to come up. I got a grappling hook. Hold on. Damn it. Ah! Just fell, fell to her death. And Hawkeye was like, no, she wanted to. That was a noble sacrifice. (laughs) All right. I have some other stuff, but that's it for like my my cons. That's it for like the things that bumped on me. I just got some rando like rando things. Could there be Oh, this is a bigger discussion? Maybe I don't want to get into this yet. Fuck it. It's already out there. Could there be a Captain America in between movie talking about what he's doing at the same time. Yeah, why the fuck not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that'd be I'd be open to that. I don't think that's a big discussion. I think it could there be, yeah, yeah sure. See, well this is what I'm saying. I don't know why I wrote that note. <laughs> I don't know. In yeah. the theater I was like, oh this is intriguing. And then I read it like six days later and I'm like, this is stupid. 
uh, by the way, she gets the trailer. I like I like her little handler guy, the guy who gets her stuff and everything. And he always wants like praise and everything. But her cover sucks. She got found out the first night out, like the first night. Not only because she talks about the generator dying after six hours, but like then she goes into town and immediately is like hit by Taskmaster. That took all of like eight hours. Your cover sucks. Well, also, when did Taskmaster find the antidote? The antidote antidote? The, the MacGuffin? Yeah, the MacGuffin. You mean when she attacks Black Widow, how did she find it? No, no. When did they locate? When did they know where it was? Oh, when did they know, like, Black Widow's the one who has it? Because it was just sitting in her place in Budapest. Right, 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 right. And then a guy came and picked it up and dropped it off in her fucking hillbilly trailer. Right. And then... She's there for a long time until she runs out of gas in the trailer, in the generator. She's only there one night, though. Sure. Right, but she's there for, like, hours. Like, uh, is there a tracker on it? I don't know. That's a good question. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if, let's say the guy, I can't remember his name, but the helper. Doug. I don't think, his name's not Doug, but I'm going to call him Doug. Let's call him Doug. Let's call him Doug. British Doug. If they saw British Doug remove it, because they were, like, keeping cameras on him at all time on the on the place at all times yeah. they saw him and they were like oh there it is i mean they could just send widows and take him out right i'm just very confused right. as to when like when this happened and yeah i don't know if they ever explained that they just they've they've have a f- way of finding it and they finally zeroed in on her yeah if that's all i can figure out all right here's my question though kind of going with that sequence why does taskmaster need a hood rain Rain? Yeah. What is that hood protecting? Nothing. It's for the hair. The helmet is a full helmet over her entire head. Well, it's extra to have twice as much. I get, you know, I just watched it. She had like the hood up. And I was like, well, the hood's not like covering your face. Like we could see. To be fair, I think Taskmaster has that hood in the comics. So your your problem may be with the character design in general. Fair. I'll extend it to that. (laughs) Why have a hood? It's a giant skull metal mask. What are you putting the hood up for? What do you think you're going to put the hood up and no one's going to go? Oh, that's that's a person in a giant metal. And then you take the hood down. First of all, she takes the hood down right away and it's raining. And I'm like, so it's not protecting against rain. Also, if rain is the thing that does that thing in, that technology sucks. Okay. The hood is a pointless. It's I just remember looking at it, I was like, this is pointless. Maybe it's a mental because it makes you look cooler, so maybe it's scarier. So maybe people will be thrown off by that. That must be. It just it's just for the intimidation factor. Yeah. A hood is intimidating. It is. Is it more intimidating or less intimidating than a hat? What kind of hat? Mm, baseball? baseball cap? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's nothing. Okay. Wait. What about a uh, fedora? Yeah, no. That's worse than a baseball cap. What about like a not like a Mad Men fedora? What about like an Indiana Jones fedora, like a little wider brim to it? And in the rain, it does that thing where it weights it down at the at the center and it goes kind of dips down. I hear you. I hear you. That, though, mostly depends on who is wearing it. Because mm. some people in that kind of hat look real dumb yeah. looking at me. But other people look really cool looking at Harrison Ford. I mean, who's not looking at Harrison Ford? <laughs> Speaking of Taskmaster, how did you feel about Taskmaster? I like Taskmaster. 
I, I, I like that, you know, that character. I, I mean, it's hard to say that character because she was basically a robot the whole time. Well, yeah. But did you like the reveal? The reveal was fine. I saw it coming a mile down the street. Really? I didn't. Oh, oh that it was the daughter? Yeah. I did. Here's the thing. I had narrowed it down to two people. It was either the daughter or originally I thought it was Rachel Weiss because I think people started saying it was Rachel Weiss, like from when the trailers were coming out. So I was like, oh, so she's Taskmaster. And I was trying to figure out like, all right, so how, if she's the mom, why is she attacking? Is she injected? Da, da, da. And then slowly, once they encounter Rachel Weiss's character, and quickly, they're there longer than like 10 minutes and Rachel Weiss doesn't try to kill everyone. I was like, oh, she's probably not Taskmaster. So who else is it? It's the daughter. Like it was the only person. I, I There had to be a payoff with Taskmaster. And it was like, that's the only character that has been mentioned that we haven't seen that has some sort of integral thing in the plot or the story. It's interesting. I don't feel like there needed to be a payoff in that way, that it could have been just like a a mercenary who ends up going on doing something else. Yes, it could have been a rando, but I knew I was like, the way this story is going to be structured is that this is going to need a payoff at the end. It really didn't occur to me until he started introducing her until he was like, ha ha ha. You think you know what you, you think my daughter's dead? Hey, say hello. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's who this is. Well, I think I knew when they talked about the dead daughter and Black Widow was really shook up about it. I was like, that daughter's coming back. Somehow, some way, oh. that daughter's coming back. I actually didn't think that. But, I mean, that being said, I loved it. I loved Taskmaster. I thought that was really good. What did you think of David Harbour? Oh, fantastic. Oh, man. Yeah, the, I think the whole cast is really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David Harbour, who, who people know from uh, Stranger Things, Hellboy, Suicide Squad. Two of those are really bad. He's just, yeah, he's excellent. He plays Alexi. Oh, he is in Suicide Squad. It really took me a second. I was like, Suicide Squad? Yeah, that's right. Honestly, before Stranger Things, his entire list of credits is like he has six lines and then he fucks off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, before Stranger Things, the only thing I really, really knew him from was a show called The Newsroom. And he's only in like every other episode. He's really good in it, but he is like very much a supporting character. And then, yeah, which is fun to watch shows like that now and go back and see him because you're like... That guy's a major star now. And I'm super happy about him being in this movie because I can finally confidently put on my resume David Harbour type. Yes. Oh, man. (laughs) That's also another. I I posted about a while back about Loki being the new like big Comic-Con cosplay. Is it the jumpsuit Loki? But let me tell you. I think prison David Harbor is going to be is I think that's going to be the new fat Thor. Maybe. Yeah, I could see that this be the new fat Thor. Just a bunch of guys who sharpied a bunch of random tattoos on their body <laughs> and then just walk around topless. I think that we're going to see a lot of that this year. Speaking of that, do you want to get into some references that are in this? Like, some, yeah, some Easter eggs. Yeah, because like there's one in here. That I've been looking for, and I can't find anyone else who's found it. Okay, go for it. So we'll see. First, a couple of the easier ones. Crimson Dynamo is mentioned. I have that one down, yep. Which I, Belinda, I was like, she was, she got, at, after we finished the movie, she was like, why did you gasp in the middle of the movie? And I was like, oh, it's when she called him. I choked on popcorn. No, it's when she she, she calls him the Crimson Dynamo. And I was like, he was the Crimson Dynamo too? And then he corrects her and it's like, the name is Red Guardian. And I was like, oh, 
Never mind, because I thought that was going to be a huge reveal that he was also this other Iron Man villain would have been insane. Man, that would have been crazy if he was two Marvel characters, two Russian Marvel characters. That's one thing we haven't we we haven't seen where they combine two characters into one character for a Marvel movie. That's a joke, right? What that we actually have seen? Have we not? We have many times. Who have we seen? The guy, uh, Mickey Rourke's character is like three different characters in one. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Well, he was Crimson Dynamo. Right. He's three. So there's Crimson Dynamo. He was Whiplash. And there's a, right. there's another guy. So Whiplash in the comics just has a whip. Yeah. No, I know. He's a guy who holds a whip. But is Whiplash not Anton Block? block I don't know. From... I forget which one is which. Okay. But there is another character right. who has two electrified whips attached to his hands uh, okay. and wears the outfit that like... Mickey Rourke's character wore got it, got in it, the movie. Okay. So they mix like a ton of things, you know, like. Do they? Yeah, yeah. They do that actually quite a bit. Like, um, even Obadiah Stane is a lot like Justin Hammer in the comics. They they, they do it quite a bit. I knew, because I knew. I feel like I failed you. No, no, no. But, but <laughs> it, here's the thing being more the DC guy, when they said Crimson Dynamo, I was like, that's an Easter egg, but I don't know who that person is. Yeah, he's just a Russian robot. <laughs> That fights Iron Man. You want some more references? Some more Easter eggs? Yeah, let's do a few more references and then... Um, do you have any? I don't have any good... Re- I mean, listen, again, being the DC guy, I know I can spot an Easter egg, but I never know what they are. Well, there's a few from previous Marvel movies, like uh, Natasha saying thanks for your cooperation. What's that from? That's from Avengers, when she makes Loki think that he's got her on the ropes, and he's like, you mewling quim, and then she's like, oh, it's Banner. You're going after Banner. Everyone, he's going after Banner. That's why he's up here. Thank you for your cooperation. And then she walks off, and she did the exact same trick with the exact same line with Ray Winston's character, Drakov. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And then also, it's the return of the, like... Mission Impossible masks from Age of Ultron. Yes. Which we saw did, for us. Yeah, so that's, that's a thing. Are, yeah. And now the one that I have not found anyone else mention. Okay. You ready for this? I'm ready. When Alexi is arm wrestling people in prison, he's telling a story about Captain America and about how he has fought Captain America and that he fought Captain America in... The, the, someone asked him, I think um, this guy, this guy comes up, this very tall Russian man... Very, very beefy, tall Russian man comes up and says, uh, like, when was this? And he says, I don't know, like 83, 84. And the guy says, well, that would have been while he's still frozen. And Alexi responds, are you calling me a liar, Ursa? Ursa Major is a mutant in Russia who also has ties to the Red Room. Really? Yes. And that's who this character is. It's already been confirmed. Really? His mutant power is that he can turn into a bear. Oh, whoa. (laughs) I know. He's part of a team. I can't remember the name of it. They're like this nothing team in Russia. They're kind of like the Russian Avengers that Alexei is part of also. That's the other thing. He's the Captain America of this Russian Avengers. They've got a name. I don't remember what it is. But uh, Ursa Major is this mutant. That's amazing. Right? And I didn't even catch it. I watched it twice, and I was like, the second time I watched it, I was like, what does he call him? And I had to Google the script, and I saw he calls him Ursa, and I was like, no way. That's insanity. And if you look it up, there's all sorts of like articles about like, oh, yeah, this character's Ursa Major. It's played by this guy. And I was like, that's a big deal. Right. And that is. That's a huge deal. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I What is the significance of the fireflies? What's the metaphor? I don't think there's a metaphor. I think it's just a touch point. The beauty of Ohio? Yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the majesty that is. My God. No, I don't think it was a metaphor of like they are like fireflies. I think it, I think it was simply 
you know, fireflies kind of harken to a simpler time when they were kids and they were innocent. It was their Ohio life and everything like that. And so you had this time like um, what Florence Pugh's character says at the dinner table. She's like, it wasn't fake to me. This was all real. You guys were my real family because she didn't know that all of this was fake. So she's having this childhood and she's having the, the a typical Ohioan childhood a typical american childhood of like you know you're out in the midwest and the suburbs and there's fireflies and things like that and then all of a sudden their lives turn on a dime and then from there it's pretty much launched into you know the marvel cinematic universe of spies and thrills and and, you know gunfights and whatever and espionage and all this different shit and then it comes back around to like the fireflies, and I think it's just a symbol of like the simpler time that they had in their life, having a normal family and a normal childhood, and then also to bring it back at the end, I think it kind of ties together. Like this is uh, the fireflies were a time when they were a family before, and then you go through this whole thing, and then by the end of it, they're family, and then you and so you bookend it with the fireflies. Yeah, I don't think they're. I didn't to, get any of that. Yeah, I don't think they're trying to say like, and they're like fireflies themselves. I don't think there's any. I mean, but also I don't know shit about fireflies. So for all I know, you can get a thousand hugs from ten thousand fireflies. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> it's a song. It's a very popular song from who? Owl City. It was like a number one hit. You never heard Fireflies by Owl City. I get a th- thousand hugs from 10,000 lightning bugs. You're right. Well, I mean, when you sing it, it all comes rushing back to me. I'd like to make myself believe that planet Earth turns oh, slowly. Okay. All right. I've never, I know of this song. I don't think I've ever listened to it at like... In a setting where I actually heard the lyrics. Wow. You're missing out, man. How do you, yes. How do you feel about, yes, no, I'm going to end on a high note that it's a great song. How do you feel about Rachel Weisz? Rachel Weisz is really good. Even more than Rachel Weisz, though, I'm going to pivot and say. Is it Weisz or is it Weisz? I think it's. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I think it's it doesn't matter because she will (laughs) never talk to either of us. I'm going to pivot and actually say more than Rachel Weisz. Florence Pugh. Fucking incredible. Yeah. I was hoping to save her for the end, but she is. Have you seen anything else with her? I have actually. Yeah. She hasn't been in a whole lot before this. There's a movie. I have to look it up, but I, I know I've seen it. It's a wrestling movie. She's also been in Little Women. She was in King Lear with Anthony Hopkins. And uh, she most famously was in Midsummer, which somehow was not nominated for a single Oscar in spite of her giving one of the best performances I've ever seen from a person. Oh, really? Yeah. Whether the movie itself, I'm like sort of on the fence on, but her performances in it is insane. Yeah. She's the lead in this movie called Fighting With My Family. It's based on a true story of one of the, the women from the WWE of her getting started. And she was... You know, typically when you think of a woman in, in heavyweight wrestling, they're like this beautiful model. that type yeah, of thing. Yeah. And she was the first, I mean, not the first, but she's uh, one of the, she, her thing was like, she came from a wrestling family. She didn't look like a beautiful model or anything. She was an actual honest to God wrestler and went through the school and everything like that. She gets picked up by the WWE, but then she's in the training program and has to like earn her spot to actually make it in the organization. And actually it's a really like I wanted to see it cuz I I used to watch wrestling as a kid so I'm kind of in you know in the bag a little bit for that and I wanted to check it out and actually it's 
It's actually slightly better than you think it would be. And she's great in it. I mean, she's really good at picking good projects, so that doesn't surprise me. And I honestly didn't know that that was her. Like, yeah. I had seen this movie a couple of months ago during the pandemic and then went to see Black Widow and was like, Flint Pugh is amazing. How, how do I not know this person? Yeah. And then I looked up and I was like, I have seen this person. If I hadn't known, like if I if it hadn't been released that she was in this movie and I was just watching it, I would not have recognized her from Midsummer either. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've seen that poster for Midsummer all the time and I would have never known. And her performance in this is very, very subtle, which I love. Like there's there's a scene that I was just so happy to get to see a second time. The scene where they, they're first all at the dinner table. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When they meet up with the mom and Florence Pugh, Yelena is talking about how like the family was real to her. And there's a moment where she says the best part of my life was fake. And she just like exhales. She like looks away and closes her eyes and breathes out for a second and then comes back and delivers the rest of her line. And I'm like, I wrote here, Florence Pugh is just living in front of the camera. She is. I think that's what's great about her. It seems so effortless. Yeah, she has a full, fully formed character that at no moment am I like, I'm watching a movie star do something really good. I'm watching, in that moment, I was watching like that character just live in front of the camera. Yeah. One of our voice teachers, she used to say that most of the time when she saw plays that had accents, the actors were not performing the characters. They were performing the accents. And I don't feel that way in this. Not all of them feel very good. David Harbour's accent dips in and out. David Harbour's really comes in and out. But the good thing is that every line he delivers sounds like Hopper saying it with a, a Russian accent. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is to say... That it sounds like he's just delivering the line the way that he would authentically and organically. There's just an accent over top of it. And I feel that way with all of them. Yeah. And I'll actually match you one professor story with another professor story because I had a professor in college who would talk about accents and when we were studying because he did like a dialects class and he was like, listen, here's the deal. Do the dialects all you want. But at the moment that it comes to being able to deliver the line clearly and with intention or do it with a dialect, drop the dialect. He's like, it doesn't matter. And there, and there's that, that when they get out of the helicopters, where I really noticed it, is that where it really goes in and out. I was just about to bring up David Harbour. I forget what the line is. There is a, a full line he has that is just in an American accent. He was like, <laughs> I can't fully get my head around the accent for this line. So I'm well, just gonna- or it's going to be an extra hurdle I have to overcome it before I make it to authenticity. And it's also going to sound like you said, like he's just acting the accent instead of just delivering the line. So he was like, screw it. I, this is more important. And also the particular dialect that he's chosen of, uh, of Russian accent is very goofy sounding. Yes. So like when he's delivering like emotional lines or somber lines or dramatic lines, it's very hard to do with the accent that he's doing. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Florence is great because she also has everything that she does. It has a little something extra to it. Like that line you were talking about how she says my whole family was a lot or my whatever it was. And then she exhales. The exhale holds a whole other different aspect to it. It wasn't like I'm just saying this to myself. That exhale was like, okay, I'm dealing with that. And then I'm back in it. You know what I mean? Like there was something loaded in that. Well, it's also I think a big part of it, too, is I'm reminded of uh, one of my favorite quotes on acting by William H. Macy, who said, um, never cry in front of the camera. Never cry when you're performing because people don't. The whole point of acting is to be able to feel that thing and then put it back down. 
because that's what people do. No one just like pours their I mean, it happens sometimes, I guess. But usually when someone starts to feel emotion in front of another person, they try to fight it. And it's not until they can't until the, the, the dam breaks open and it all comes pouring out. And that's what it felt like to me. She was like, if I keep saying this, I'm going to I'm going to lose it. I'm going to like right. break down in front of these people in front of my family. And she's like, I got to contain myself and then go back to it, which was extremely authentic. And it, well, because she's this trained spy she's been trained not to reveal too much and so she just revealed something and she's like all right let's get back into it let's get back into the job you know what i mean and all that rings true yeah how did you feel about uh, scarlett johansson's performance i think she was great i mean listen it's a different thing to compare florence Pugh's performance to scarlett johansson simply because florence Pugh gets the like newcomer award Scarlett Johansson had a different hurdle to go over with this. And that was essentially, we have been waiting for a Black Widow movie for... 11 years? Yeah, essentially <laughs> since she walked on the screen in Iron Man 2, right? We've been going like, when she's going to get a movie? When is it going to happen? What is it going to be? It was almost this kind of impossible hurdle to hit, uh, to go over, to make it better than whatever everyone was thinking it was going to be in their own mind. Right. But she was great. I mean, she didn't, is there anything in here that I was like, Oh my gosh, this was revelatory. And I think she should get awards for this or anything like that. No, but she proved without a shadow of a doubt that this character and her interpretation of this character can hold her own for two hours. You know what I mean? I will, pay money to watch this character for two hours and I walk out of the theater feeling like it was worth my money to watch her on screen for two hours and that is honest to God and I'm not saying that it's the bare minimum like that's what you want to hit with this that's the bullseye that is the bullseye and she hit the bullseye I watched this for two hours and at no point was I like oh she is better as a supporting character oh yeah that's a good point actually that happens a lot right like we have seen with like Jack Sparrow getting his own movie and it's like nope back that train up you know gotta gotta get that out of there And other characters as well. I noticed in this, and I've never noticed before, I have not seen her in as much as I would like. I still need to watch Marriage Story. Oh, that is brutal. I know. But I noticed in this, she has extremely emotionally expressive eyes. She does. And in a way that, like, it's not just, like, the eyes, but also, like, there was one scene that when she was talking to um, Rachel Weisz's character at one point when it's just the two of them. And she's like trying to get basically trying to get Rachel Vice to confirm that the family wasn't real. And Rachel Vice is like, I can't do that. You know, it was we were a family and it hits the camera hits back on Scarlett Johansson. And she has these just like huge bags under her eyes and she just looks so exhausted. And she looks like it's really interesting because it looks like she's getting the worst news of her life. It looks like someone just said it's interesting because it looks like someone just said to her, your whole family just died in a car crash. And instead, what they said is your whole family is alive and we love you. And it looks like she's just so defeated. It's really I, like you said, it's not it's not bringing home any Oscars and it probably shouldn't. But it's uh, it's good, man. She's good. Yeah, it's great. And that's what I mean. I, I, again, I, by shouldn't bring home any Oscars isn't me knocking the performance. It's not a movie that's meant to do that. You know, this is a movie meant to make a clear statement of this character. And just like when we were saying with Captain Marvel or Wonder Woman, a, a female led movie like this 
can hold its own amongst all other movies for two hours. I can pay 15 bucks. I can pay 30 bucks. Sit down, watch this for two hours. And when I walk out, I go, I really enjoyed that. And I would go see another movie with this character. That's what this movie needs to do. And it hit the bullseye on that. Do you know she's rumored to be playing Audrey in a Little Shop of Horrors remake? She'd be great, actually. I She'd be really good at that. I know, right? It's uh, her, Taryn Edgerton as Seymour, Chris Evans as uh, as the dentist, as Oren, and Billy Porter as Audrey, too. All of these are just rumored, but I was like, I haven't even heard of this. I had heard that they were trying to make some sort of Little Shop of Horrors, but I hadn't heard anything about casting or anything. She'd be That would be great. She would be really good at that. She can do that sort of thing. I still have a few other things that I want to mention. I have a few other things, but I'm going to, if you want to mention yours, I'll let mine go because then we got to move on to reading assignments because there's a lot of, I got to unpack with that one as well. Natasha asks Yelena to explain the antidote quote in English. So she explains it in Russian, just something I noticed that I thought was, yeah, I thought that was good. Like there's a part where she's, she's like, what is this thing that you have? And she's like, oh, it's a, an agent. It's a component agent that is used to, you know, translate the brainwaves chemically in the mind. And she's like, can you just explain it in English, please? And she gives it to her. She basically in Russian says, oh, it's a counter antidote for this thing. A lot of the fight scenes are fucking brutal. They're great, though. Some of the hits are visceral. I know, but the style of fighting that they went with for this movie, it's spot on awesome. Like, it is... I just feel it. Yeah. Like, in my chest. I feel like someone punched me. It's so close quartered, but at the same time, like, you know, Winter Soldier was also close quartered fighting. I'm gonna say that this is the first time I had this thought, but that fighting style was very male and this is very female you know what I mean? because it's a lot of twist turn and there's almost an elegance to it's a lot it more like wushu yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is it is it's something to it you know and if that sounds sexist I, I apologize because i actually mean it as a great compliment but it does more feminine it is more maybe. feminine yeah it's in that and i don't mean that as like weaker or anything like that it is like you said very visceral but it is a lot of like twist turn counter flip there's a lot of stuff in the air yes exactly like you really couldn't see chris evans jumping six feet in the air and like wrapping his legs around somebody and spinning around them yeah yeah florence <laughs> Pugh gets her own signature move if you notice oh, at one point like black widow has the legs around the neck flip thingy yeah, yeah. that she does and she only did Florence Pugh only does it once but I watched it and I was like oh that's her Black Widow move oh, yeah. and it was something with grabbing a neck she like jumped and I oh. forget exactly what it was it was in the when she was escaping it might have been around when she got injected with collagen okay. but she did like this thing where she came up to a guy and like jumped and like wrapped her Hands or, or arms yeah, around yeah. her neck. Was like, it right before she like took the guy's hand to put it up on the thing to get yeah, into the door? Yeah, I think it door. was. Yeah, I yeah. think that's when it was. And I was like, that's her Black Widow move right there. I have here, Natasha uses a young girl as a pawn in an attempt to murder Drakov the same way he uses young girls as pawns to murder people. This is why Natasha fails and why her past is coming back to haunt her. And I just wrote here, Greek tragedy shit. Right. Yeah, there's some, there is some great, great deep shit to this. If they're replacing that with Yelena, I'm okay with it. Yes. Like if we can't have... Black Widow, I think Florence Pugh is a great replacement. That's the other thing. It's like, as much as Scarlett Johansson proved that I would watch this character for two hours, I would watch Florence Pugh for two hours as well. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. And I would watch the both of them for three hours, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yelena is in is set to be in every episode of Hawkeye, and I hope to fucking hell she understands very quickly that they're all on the same side, so it's not eight episodes of something that could be fixed with a post-it note. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be, if it's, say it's eight episodes, I think it'll be three to four episodes. I think they'll hit it at the halfway mark. 
I have two questions for you. Okay, go. Was there any negativity in your mind for the film because you knew she wouldn't die? No, and that's the thing, is I think going into this knowing that she wasn't going to die, it's not that I ever forgot it, but I, again, they and they do establish this very well. Like, at the very beginning, they're like, it's 2016. They, you know, they say it, they talk about where exactly we are in the timeline of the MCU. It's very well established. You know, we are not near the end. She will later on die. Like, we knew exactly where we were. So because of that... This, the story did not ever have a moment of, oh my gosh, are they going to die? I'm trying to th- even think, I don't think there's an action sequence really where they really built it around, oh my gosh, she's in peril. Is she going to survive? Yeah, the focus is not on whether she'll get out. The focus is on how, how she's going to, out. and not only get out, how she's going to bring down the Red Room, how she's going to exactly. save all these widows. Exactly. And so because of that, I was still in it the whole time. So I was fine knowing that she wasn't going to die. It was about the journey, not the destination. I also was like, there's a chance she dies and they replace her with a scroll or something. Like, right. there's any, or she goes off on another thing and we're going to find out that this Natasha has been a scroll the whole time or exactly and you have no i mean that's that is the nice thing about the mcu i think you know if they had done that i would have been like whoa hairpin left turn but i'm open for it and my last question did the red guardian actually fight captain america ah excellent question listen there are now rampant theories about this all over the internet on what could have happened and what did happen i don't know i maybe i haven't thought about it because i also don't care (laughs) i love the idea of like this guy thinks he fought somebody that was captain america yeah and maybe he was just do you believe him is he is he lying i believe that he believes that let me put it that way i don't believe that he's actively lying to try he and no point in his character seems like the type that would build himself up through falsity i agree i think he believes that he fought captain america and for me that was enough. All right. What was also, and this is one of the notes that I had, what I liked is that him fighting Taskmaster, it gives it a sense of catharsis because essentially he in that moment is fighting Captain America. He's fighting all of the Avengers. He's fighting all the Avengers. But because he goes, oh, I, you know, I stood my ground against Captain America and everyone goes, no, you didn't. You, no, you didn't. And no, you couldn't. If you if you had the chance, he essentially does. Yeah. And so he gets that moment to say, I essentially fought Captain America and he won. What do you think are the odds that in like six or seven years, U.S. agent is going to go back to the 80s and he's going to fight him? I actually would love it more if it was Isaiah Bradley. Well, yeah. Or just somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to think. And there's no reason people have talked about like, well, maybe it was Steve Rogers when he was going back to fixing blah, blah, blah. For some reason. This guy encountering someone through time travel feels weirdly shoehorned to me. Like, it doesn't gel. You know what I mean? And so I like the idea of, like, he fought a Captain America. You know, it wasn't the Captain America, but he fought a Captain America. And he might not know the difference. You know what I mean? Like, if it's if it's a different guy, he might not know. He just knows that's Captain America. I see the shield. I see the mask. This guy, he's American. I'm Russian. Let's do this. All Americans look alike. Exactly. And it's, but it's that type of thing. Like he just sees yeah. like the symbol, just like he sees he's red, symbol. white and blue. Yeah. It could be Isaiah Bradley. It could be a black guy that rolls up on him and he's like, nah, that's the Captain America. 
Yeah. He doesn't care. He just sees it. All right. Did you have anything else you really wanted to talk about or say? No, I think like I think we all said it before. I, I really like this movie. I would watch this again. I would watch another movie like this. It might be the worst one, but I think it's up there with the other like Russo. You you always have a word for those style of movies. The like um, espionage. Espionage. Is that what you call it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the like Jack Ryan Marvel movies. The, yeah. The Tom Clancy movies. Right, yeah. It's probably the worst in that set, but still very good overall. Yeah, but that's the thing is like when it comes to this, a bad one of these is better than most of other movies that try to do this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's not much worse no. than say Winter Soldier or Civil War or whatever. No, no, no. I don't think so at all. I, it, it's not bad. It's not worse than the others because it is bad. It is worse than the others simply because those are a high bar to hit. Yeah. This didn't do anything wrong. It's a nice addition to that group. It is a very nice addition to that group. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the reading assignment, shall we? Let's. Okay. So... Oh, this is a big one to unpack. I know, and we're already so man, far oh into man. the episode. I know, I know. I was like, oh, geez, this is going <laughs> to... When you assign this to me, so you assign me three Bo Burnham Netflix specials. Two of them are actual Netflix specials, but all three of them are on Netflix. But these are three Bo Burnham comedy specials. There was What... Get happy and inside, right? So Bo Burnham, for those of you who don't know, is a comedian. I'm going to call him an alternative comedian. I don't think we really use that term anymore. But if I had to classify him as a type of stand-up, he's an alternative stand-up if I've ever seen one. But he started around essentially the early 2000s. Essentially, as he was one of the first kind of YouTube breakouts but when youtube was very fresh and everyone was going like could a person be a star on youtube and then make their way into mainstream entertainment and bo burnham is one of the first ones to do it uh he started off with basically a couple of youtube videos of songs that he had written that he put on youtube to share with his family and they just went ultra viral i remember when these came out i i was in like college when these came out and I remember watching them over and over again. And I was like, oh, this kid's really funny. And da, da, da. and then he broke into mainstream stand-up comedy and had a couple of specials and things like that. His style, first of all, he is mainly a songwriter. But through these specials, you also see like there's a lot more to it. His songs are not just parody songs. This is not a Weird Al Yankovic situation. It's a lot deeper than that. The the type of stuff that he likes to talk about in his comedy is very much about uh, the nature of entertainment and the nature of culture and, you know, who we are as a people kind of subconsciously and things like that. It's very intellectual is the word I'm looking for. I'll leave that as kind of my my intro about Bo Burnham because we got to get into this. When I watch these three, I kind of have to tackle what and get happy together. And then I think transition it into inside. I think the the real meat of these three is inside. It is. I just finished it literally right before we got on the air today. Oh, nice. The main thing I wanted to ask you about, the only reason I assigned all three is because I think the transition from where he began to where he ended up is incredibly unique. Yes. And I want to discuss it with someone. Also, 
before we get into like spoilers and stuff, because I imagine mostly for Inside, there are going to be some spoilery things. You like all three of these? You dislike all three of these? You recommend them? You recommend one? You recommend? I do. I actually do like them. I'll be honest. I I, like I said, I remember Bo Burnham when he came out around on YouTube. And then I think I had a similar backlash to him, which was completely unwarranted when he broke into mainstream comedy of like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? And then I kind (laughs) of like because of that, I never really paid attention to him. I knew he was out there doing his main thing, but I never really like not not gave him a chance. But I was like, nah, I don't really want to watch. You know, I thought I had him figured out because I had watched the Helen Keller song or something. And then you watch a special and I'm like, this guy thinks through every single fucking second of this. And it's really amazing to watch him craft something because every single second of this is planned, which is part of the joke, but also this guy crafts a whole one man show. Like they call it a comedy special, but this is a one man, especially what I was like, this is a one man show is what this is. Yes. And that's particularly interesting as well, because I had seen a lot of his stuff early on. And it's interesting because we both had negative reactions to his early stuff, but for completely different reasons, you were like, who the fuck is this guy? I was like, Yeah, I don't get it because his thing is he plans out every single thing meticulously and then gives the impression that he doesn't. So I was like, this guy's not doing anything. He's not putting any work into this. He's just coming out here and like saying some shocking stuff while playing the piano or whatever. Who gives a shit? Anyone could do this. And it wasn't until very recently that I was like, oh, he was ahead of his time. Yes, he is. He's very much ahead of his time. This is the closest. If you've ever seen Steve Martin stand up comedy from the 70s, I mean, when Steve Martin was putting the arrow through his head, like in his prime full white suit, Steve Martin, this guy, more than any other comedian I have seen, is like the successor to that. I mean, this guy, because he has a clear thing a clear message, a clear idea that he's putting as a through line through everything that he's doing. Yeah. There are like themes in his standup. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it is so flawless. It is not like a concert of like, here's a funny song that I made up. And now here's another funny song, even though essentially when you break it down, that is what he's doing, but he fills in the in between so well that I don't notice that we've transitioned from one song to another. Right. And there's no room for like, Hey, how's everybody doing today? What do I like that shirt you're wearing, sir? Hey lady over there. There's no room for that. Yeah. There's no crowd work or anything. Yeah. So what? Is it from 2000? I think it's 13, right? Yes. And so that was like his first. I think that was technically his second special, but it's his first one that he has on Netflix right now. And that is very much like, like I said, every second thought out, there's no real moment of him like getting into the crowd or, or talking to them or and anything. like half of it is played over a speaker. Yes. Yeah. 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 Right? yeah. A lot of it is him interplaying with like a subconscious voice, which is played over a speaker and things like that. And what's interesting is then you watch something like get happy and you've watched this performer grow. And you, what's interesting is you've also had to watch the, his audience grow. And so the first time you see him interact with, an audience member who like yells something out it it doesn't throw him because clearly he's done this he's been working on this special for a while so people have been doing that but 
his reaction to it is very interesting because he has to keep a thing on track. So when someone's like, I love you, he's like, this isn't participatory, which is a great, very him response. But also it's the idea of like, no, I'm doing a thing. I can't. I, this is all very timed and I don't want to participate. Also, this is a show. This is no different than you yelling that out in the middle of Hamlet. Yeah. And what's interesting is, again, this comparative to Steve Martin. I've read I read uh, Born Standing or Born Standing Up, whatever it's called. But it's it's Steve Martin's autobiography. And it reminded me he talks about what it was like in that period of time when he went from clubs to theaters to arenas and having to play for different audiences and then adjust the same jokes that he had been doing for years to these different size audiences and how eventually that is why he left comedy is because he was like, I don't I don't know what else to do for these people. I I get up. And as soon as I do anything, they just start cheering and laughing hysterically. And I think this is where you can see from the beginning of what to the end of Get Happy. This is the evolution of Bo Burnham. By the end of Get Happy, he's like, I don't know what else to do. Like, this is now almost out of my control of what what we, what I can do with an audience because they're already with me. The, and he's he sings songs about it and talking about how you shouldn't idolize celebrity and you shouldn't fall in love with me. If I do something wrong, you should kick me to the curb. I'm nothing. And it very much is the, in that vein of like it's an artist trying to figure out how to adjust his artistic voice to a completely different level of fame, which is why there is such a gap. So it was what, which is 2013 get happy, which is 2016. And then 2021 is when inside comes out. And the reason there's such a gap there is that during the making of get happy, Bo Burnham has extreme anxiety issues. And he actually talked in interviews about how he was having panic attacks during get happy when he was doing the show get happy across the country i would have panic attacks on stage and when he got done with that he's like that's it i'm done doing well, another thing he mentioned about that is something we were just talking about everything is so tightly knit in his shows right that there isn't even time for him to take a breath and be like hang on a second yeah it just has to go to the next thing in the middle of a panic attack or the entire special falls apart right and you're watching someone who very intensely planned out every single thing and it's not just like you know a set list where he does this song and this song and then he talks a little intro and he has a couple of jo- and he's written some jokes in between i mean these are specific sound cues and visual cues and things that have to look natural but aren't but are you know what i mean like i'm i'm thinking of the water bottle falling thing that has to look like an accident but not so much like an accident that it doesn't because then he does a jingle about how this the water bottle thing wasn't an accident Well, and it can't be so much like an accident because the audience has to remember it right like it can't be something that is just like he can't be 10 feet across the, it has to be noticeable it has to read to the back of the room right right but it still has to look like he didn't mean to do it right so that he can sell the joke it is a lot i mean he it is very intense like i was watching both of these and i was getting panic attacks because i was like i could not do this <laughs> for like a three second bit right Right. And I was like, this thing, he is, I could not jam pack this this much. Like, and I've directed shows and I'm like, I could not like without just absolutely breaking down and crying in a fetal position, 
do something like this. It is that type. Meanwhile, Bo Burnham decided that it wasn't enough and that he needed more jobs on his next special. Right, exactly. So he needed to be the like the writer, director, performer, editor. Yes. So we tra- so let's transition to Inside. And Inside is taped over the course of the pandemic, right? Hold on. My wife is walking in the room. Which one is it? The the little one or the big one? Oh, cool. Apparently there's been vomit. Yeah, Sarah's. How do you know which one is which, the little one or the big one? I mean, it's it's a subtle transition. I'll give it that. <laughs> so Inside. Inside is taped over the course of 2020 during the pandemic. It is Bo Burnham has written all brand new material. He locked himself in a uh, in a room, which I believe, by the way, is the same room at the end of Get Happy. A hundred percent. Yeah. The like encore or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, the, the encore, end. the guest, the guest house in it, at his home. Yeah. Is where he taped all that. Cause I, and the only reason is I literally watched it like back to back. Me too. Yeah. And I was like, hey. And I was like, a, oh, that's that thing. A little foreshadowing. Yeah. So he taped it in his guest house. He wrote all new material taped it on his own, directed it on his own, edited it on his own, including doing all of his own lights, his camera setups, dubbing, whatever else needs to do. It is literally a one-man show. And then came out with a comedy special. What's really interesting about this, first of all, it's watching these three specials overall, you see the growth of an artist, both his songwriting ability, which was already strong in 2013. But if I had to have one note in the two live specials, I did feel some of his songs are a bit repetitive. They sound a lot alike. Well, I think also there's not like a narrative throughout most of his shows. Right. right. Like there isn't like a through line. Yeah. Yeah. In his yeah. early stuff. Whereas it, like each of his songs have their own mini plot and story arc. But this is the first time that he has put something together that has a full arc on its own. Yeah. But what I was going to say is like, oh, there's a lot of songs of his in the first two specials where I'm like, this sounds like the song I just heard. Right. You know what I mean? Just just chord progressions and rhythms and things like that. They're very similar to each other. Like he was kind of within a certain zone of, of songwriting. This one to watch these three together and see the full scope of this artist growth. This guy now can write any song in any genre and make it sound like an actual song from whatever that genre is. Like if it's eighties Duran Duran pop, <laughs> if it's like the country song, like he does in get happy, right, yeah. whatever he's doing I was like, holy shit, this guy has fully produced... The Kanye West. The, yeah. <laughs> About his burrito in a Pringles can. Right. It's ridiculous. I Like, it is absolutely insane. This guy can really do absolutely anything. What I did find striking about this, about Insight, is that it does, in a way, come full circle for him. Because, and you, you watch him watching the old YouTube videos... And I I remember thinking this right before that came up as I was like, this is full circle for him. He started his career in comedy taping himself in a room and he grew to the point that he felt like he could no longer do this because it grew out of his control. And so what does he do? He goes back to tape in a room 
And that like if this is the last special that he really felt like get happy was going to be his last special ever because he couldn't again because of the panic attacks and th- everything like this. And then he did this. And as much as you are watching this guy spiral through the entire thing into very dark places. Yeah. Well, and it reminds me of the song. Look who's inside again. Yeah. He plays. Yeah. 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 Like the whole thing is about how he used to be. He used to lock himself in his room and mess around on a piano and make silly songs. And look who's inside again. (laughs) Right. He said Get Happy was going to be the last special. Honestly, I think if this was his last special, it's the perfect thing to go out on. Because like I said, it goes full circle. He did this thing where he started in a room and he built up a career that he wanted to have. And it got kind of beyond his control. And so he walked away from it. And to top it off, just to give it the little last nod of the hat, he goes back inside a room again. I think that's kind of the perfect ending to it. And... On top of that, he goes back inside a room and then is such a more mature artist than he was when he first started yeah. out. His voice is really good now. Yeah, it's re- yes, I, that's what I mean. As a performer now, he has really grown into his own and as a storyteller and as a storyteller and just a composer as well. He already had kind of proven himself a little bit as a director. He directed his own movie before this. Yeah, people grade. loved it. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it people either, say it's but great. it was raved about, you know, he wrote it and directed. He also directed a couple of comedy specials. He directed Chris Rock's last special. Oh. And it was, I saw that one. That's on Netflix right now. That was actually filmed at the, I think it was the Harvey theater at BAM and it's great. It's really phenomenal. Um, So he'd already proven himself that he can direct stuff. But the fact that he did everything and included in inside, like you watch him testing lights and things like that. And just seeing you get to see it's very much a you see how sausage is made. So that leads me to a question I want to ask you, because there's two main things that I go back and forth on. One of them. I mean, they're both the same thing. How much of this is scripted? Like you see him testing lights. Did he storyboard that out or was he like, oh, shoot, I need something to show that and something in between that makes it look like I'm working on it behind the scenes. I know I'll just look at some lights or whatever. Right. I have a feeling when I was watching it, what I think and maybe this is just like if I was in this situation, this was what I would do. He was like, I'm going to just tape everything. That's a lot, though. It is a lot. But what it does is he's like, I'm just going to whenever I turn, whenever I come in this room, I'm just going to turn on the camera and then I'm going to go about my day. Like I'll set up this the angle and I'll just be like, all right, so this is a good angle because I want to test out the slides. All right, I'll just turn that on and then I'll just let it go for however long I want. And then I just have that footage and I can just throw it in. See, here's why I don't think that's the case, though. I just started editing 4K footage for a project I'm working on. Right. An hour of 4K is like 200 gigabytes yes like it would literally take him if he just had a whole day of him filming it would take him the next day probably more than that probably take him the next week to transfer everything right but well oh by the way as a side note i haven't gotten a chance to watch this but i kind of want to there is i don't know if you saw on youtube some guy made an hour-long youtube video breaking down what he's pretty sure is all the equipment and things that he used. It's in my notes, actually. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I had a feeling. I, was, I read this and I was like, Andrew's got to know about this by now. But yeah, he breaks out. I want to watch it because I want to see some of the stuff that he is. It's used. interesting. It's a little boring. But I'm if you're sure. just looking at like, he's like, oh, here are these on Amazon for 20 bucks, yeah. you know. But if you're a tech nerd, you're like, uh, or, or really, it's one of those. If you're somebody who wants to get into filmmaking or anything like that and you're like, yeah. 
It's all really cheap. The most expensive thing is the camera. It's like a four thousand dollar four K camera. Everything else, the the total cost of everything else he uses is probably less altogether than the cost of the camera. Exactly. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, like, if you're like, I want to get into filmmaking, I don't even know where to start. I have a feeling. Again, without having watched this video, like this is a good place to start because you're like, oh, this is what this is. This is what that is. This is where I could be. It's also a really. It's very indicative of how creative Bo Burnham is, right? Because he did all of this with one camera, no assistance. So anytime you see something zooming in, it's happening in post. He's doing it in the software. Right. Yeah. He's using the transition. So I, I think what he did, I, and I don't think he turned it on and then left it go for like eight hours. What I'm saying is like, I think he's like, all right, I gotta today. What I have to do is I have to kind of dick around with this song. So I'm going to dick around with this song. Let me, why don't I just turn on the camera for this? And he turns it on and dicks around for, with the song for a while. And then he's like, all right, that's good. Camera off. You know what I mean? And he's like, now I just have that. I don't know if I'll ever use it or not. I have to play around with the lights today. All right, camera on. All right, so now I'll just play around with the lights. I don't think it was a thing of like, I need me playing around with this light. I don't think that was storyboarded. I think he's like, I'm just going to gather up all these little bits and pieces of footage. And then whenever I can use it, if I need something here, I have it. So the second half of that question is the emotional breakdowns that seem to be incredibly authentic and natural and happening behind the scenes. Is this all real or is this a man who has storyboarded a moment where he says he's not well and breaks down because the camera also stays on. Like in that particular one, he says, I'm not well and drops the microphone and starts crying into his hands. And the camera stays on and zooms in slowly for like a minute and a half. He didn't just like re- He wasn't like collecting himself or turning it off or re- like, did he is this scripted? Is this real? Yeah, I don't know. I, I again, uh, the best I can do is like, okay, if I was the guy making this thing and also just through because I before I watched Inside, that's when I started researching. I watched the first two and then researched Bo Burnham a little more and then watched this. So knowing his anxiety, knowing his dep- issues with depression and things like that. And also seeing the other two specials right away and knowing like this is what he talks about on stage and this is where he comes from as an artist. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think what happened was he said, I'm going to make this special over the course of what he originally thought was six months. Right. And then it turns into a year. And I think maybe just the deal he made with himself is like no compromise. In the moment, he was like, I'm feeling really depressed. Maybe I should put this in. I should put this in. I'm going to go just do an editorial into the camera. And then his deal was like, no compromise. This is what I'm going to talk about. And if when he starts crying, I don't think that was planned. But then he looks back and he's like, that's good footage. That's That should go in. You know what I mean? Again, I don't know. For all I know, he, that's not real. And he's faking it. I will say this. I don't know. Now, I haven't seen, um, what's the movie? Pretty Young Woman or whatever he's in. He was in one of the Best Picture nominations. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I haven't seen that movie. So I don't know how good of an actor he's become. He's also going to be playing Larry Bird soon. I saw that, too. And that's such a great choice. I know. He is he's the, like six he is, foot five. Well, he's also the skinniest, whitest guy I've ever seen I know. in my life. Yeah. But I don't know that that... I don't know how good of an actor he's become. For all I know, he has become that good, that he could fake that. From what I saw from the other two specials and just the little stuff I've seen him in, I don't know he's that good. 
So I have a feeling that's real. And he just uh, again, I think a lot of the stuff is let's capture everything. Just I you know, he's written these songs and clearly with the songs he's planned out exactly what he wants because there's lights just like a stage show there's lights and there's sound and there's a lot of very specific timing and things like that i think all the other in-between stuff is like let's just tape everything let's just grab snippets of this and that and just whatever and then when i put it into the software when i put when i go into to you know final cut or whatever i'm just gonna go you know what this needs? This needs here. Let me see what else I got. Okay, this shot right here. This this is what works. And the same with like, okay, we're hitting in this narrative that we're telling. I need this moment that I did like from month six, you know? And then he'll put it in right there. That's where it is and that works. But I think most of this is just like, let's turn on the camera and just I'll just grab whatever I can get. And then I'll figure it out later. You know, I just have everything under the sun and I can figure it out later. That is the one benefit as well planned as his live shows are. I think he's also smart enough to know, like, I don't have to meticulously plan this out before I do it because he's directed film now, too. He knows you shoot everything, put it on a hard drive. And then when you go to edit it all together, you go, all right, what do I got? I have this and this and this and this. And the other benefit is that. And you can kind of sometimes see this. The other benefit is that because it's just him doing this and he's doing this with no deadline, really, except for one that he put on himself. If he goes to edit this and he goes, I'm missing this thing, he can go back and do it. And it looks like it was taped around month four and it was taped, you know, last month. And we are none the wiser. But I think he's a smart enough filmmaker at this point to know how to do that, how to fake his way around and cheat. But I think a lot of this was organically made. Right. Any other thoughts? Any notes? I don't think so. That's a, like I said, for me, that's about that's about it. This was I really I can't even say I don't want to say the word enjoyed this because it wasn't like a feel good fun time. It is a an amazing thing to, to watch inside especially. The chair of our grad program used to talk about method acting and say it feels bad in the heart, but it feels good in the gut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely see that. And that's sort of how I feel about inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the first two specials I do recommend. They are a fun time. Like I said, what you just kind of marvel at this young kid who's like 20. I think he's like 20, 21 or something at this point. He's really young. And just the fact that he planned all this stuff. And the songs are good. Make Happy, it gets even better. Make Happy, I actually was, there were some that I was like, that's really funny. Like, I was laughing out loud at, at certain things. And Inside, I think it's cathartic to watch, especially as we're coming out of the pandemic. I think it's a cathartic thing to watch because it's a beautiful journey of not just what he went through, but I think what we all went through. And he just really encapsulated it for himself through songs and through sketch and through bits, you know. But yeah, I do recommend all three of these. I have like three pages of notes, but I don't want to do all of them. So maybe they'll end up being a video. I do have a couple things like um, <laughs> I think the funniest line in the entire special is if you smell burning toast, you're having a stroke or overcooking your toast. Cooking your toast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole special is Blue's Clues meets Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> That's a good line. I like that. Oh, were you secretly hoping that the live play was actually the real game inside? Because he says he's going to play the game inside. It came up and the, and the thought came up to me. I was like, and then he came up and I was like, is he going to be in the game inside? <laughs> yeah. 
I was like, because we that's for anyone uh, who doesn't know, we reviewed that game as a reading assignment. Uh, I put here, I'm bored with the pre-apocalypse. Can we just skip to the post-apocalypse? Yeah. I was kind of hoping the the very end when he walks out of the house and that he was on stage, it sounded like he was on stage. I was like, oh, I'd love it if he was on stage right now. Oh, like a real stage. Like a real stage. And then and it just ended. I didn't need to see any more. Just like lights up and there's an audience. And I'm like, OK, which is like we went through the beginning of the pandemic and to the end again. And then you watch the end and you're like, that doesn't fit with his what he's doing. Yeah. When. Inside first came out. If you typed "Is Bo Burnham" into Google, it would autofill to "Is Bo Burnham okay?" And I feel the same way. Oh, here we go. Here's a, a little. If you can call it an Easter egg, the only time his air conditioner is on during the special is during the song "Sexting," and it's set to sixty nine degrees. Oh, really? Yeah, that's inc- <laughs> that's awesome. There is no way that that is fake, or 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 not a coincidence. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That there's is no, no way that it's a planned. coincidence. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. For starters, no monster would keep it at 69 degrees. It's 68, always. (laughs) Only even numbers. Only even numbers. Yeah, for sure. I have a whole section here on the formula that his songs and jokes are in, but maybe that'll be a video because it's kind of a long thing. And themes, that'll be its own. My last thing that I have is there's a whole conspiracy theory around what may be a mistake, but it may be intentional. What is it? I don't know if you caught it. But like eight minutes into the special, a single frame pops up for just one frame in the corner. Yeah, I noticed that, too. And then it, it's gone. Yes, it's from when he is doing the, the play along yeah. the inside gameplay. Yeah. Many people think it's a mistake. Many people argue that it was intentional and that it's at the point that he says, I hate when they give you the hint so quick is where that frame is from. Yes. And that's the thing is I remember. When that happened, uh, I had to rewind. I was like, I think a thing just popped up. And then I rewound it back. But I did notice that it was on that line. I didn't know what that thing was. Is it intentional? Is it a mistake? No, I think it's intentional. He uh, One, this is not an artist. Again, watching these three specials all in a row really says to me, this is not an artist that does something like that without intention he doesn't make a mistake like that especially when it's pre-taped this wasn't a live show and the mic went off or something like that he had literally a year and even more if he wanted also i wrote here quote art is a lie nothing is real right which is from his first special when he drops the water over right but that's what i mean like he this is his mo is to talk about how like art is fake and it's all commercialism and if you read too much into it you're a fool because we're doing that on purpose right and so you think this is him knocking the water over i think it's him knocking the water over i think that is done on purpose yeah i think he put and the specific line it could not be a coincidence that the line because say the line again what's the line i hate when they give you the hint so quick right it's a thing that he is going to do later on and he's talking about things being hinted at right so my actual thing was like, I was waiting for that to come up. And when it came up for the inside bit, I was like, the only thing that confused me was like, why that bit? Like, why hinting at that bit? That's that's the only thing that I bumped on with it. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, that's going to come into play later on. Like, I guarantee it's going to come into play. He's too smart of an artist to, to just let that go. Also, when you make a movie... You know, and you know this just from editing this show, and we we only do an audio show. You listen to that thing, or you you watch this thing over and over and over. There's no way he missed that every single time out. 
so for sure it was done on purpose yeah i think you're probably right yeah all right, so before we go, I got one for you. You ready? Oh, sure. I'm just glad we hammered this one out so quick. I know. I knew this was going to happen with this one. I knew I it. Know, me too. I knew it. I was watching <laughs> these three specials. I was like, and we're talking about a fucking movie today? Jesus. <laughs> Our first Marvel movie oh, back. man. All right. So for you, sir, I have a comic series that I believe it's done. It might not be. Uh, they never really said how many issues this was going to be. This is, I'm going to give you a reading assignment for something called The Other History of the DC Universe. All right. I think if I remember correctly to date, there's five issues. They're all kind of standalone. So if you get and sometimes they can be a little dense because they're not traditional comics. It's a lot of like actual prose in it. So they sometimes take a little longer to read. Gotcha. So if you get through all five, great. If you don't. That's fine, too. And actually, you don't have to read them in order if you don't want to, because they're all standalone. They're all spotlights on individual different characters in the DC universe. Okay. so if you look at these and you're like, I don't think I'll have time to read all five of these. Pick three, you know, of characters that you go, well, I'll read about this one and then do that. If you get through all five, great. If you don't, that's fine, too. But the other history of the DC universe, I think this is going to be something that's really up your alley. Is this porn? Yes. Yay! You've waited for so long, and here it is! <laughs> yeah, okay, let's get out of here. What do you say? Yeah, let's... Oh, one last question yes. that I forgot to ask you during the Bo Burnham thing. I legit thought you were going to make me do the outro, just in that moment. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go. See ya! Yeah. Any favorite songs? The country song from Get Happy was a particular favorite of mine. because That's thought funny. It, I really didn't like that one very much. I think I liked it because I think he nailed it as far as, like again, like hitting that genre right where it lives. I think he nailed it. The final song of Get Happy. Wait, which? Because it is... You mean the one that just repeats? Oh, of Get Happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of Get Happy. Yeah. Is that the Kanye one? The Pringles can? That's the Kanye one. Because it's it starts off funny and then it very quickly, actually not, very slowly transitions into something very real. And I was like, wow, that... It was like watching a magic trick. Yeah, that's sort of his formula that I've noticed, especially now in in Inside, is a lot of his songs are very funny, and then they are not. And then there's maybe a joke at the end, but there is that, like, undertone of very serious, like, dark humor with it. The song written from the perspective of God, which is one that I heard before, but I just just really like. Oh, God, yeah, Yeah, that's a good one. Do you have any favorites from Inside? I love Welcome to the Internet. I think I can play that over and over again. That one is really good. There's another. I mean, sexting was really, really good. Sure. Yeah. Inside's a weird, a weird one in that, like, even though that's the most segmented one, for some reason, the songs did. I think I was just more marveled by everything that he was doing than to really take in the song. You know what I mean? I've seen it like three times now. Right. So like by the third one, I'm like, okay, I kind of know what this is. It's like this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Yeah. Have you ever heard Art is Dead? By him, uh, he does a. It's I not in any of his Maybe in the not. specials that we watched. There's a there's a song that he does called "Art Is Dead" that I think you'd really like. Yeah, definitely look it up. Okay, all right, let's get out of here. <laughs> Sounds good. My child is screaming right now. I gotta go. I all right, hey Andrew, yeah, hey, Andrew, yeah, yeah, Andrew, yeah, yeah. where can they, they find can us? They can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. You can also listen to us on iHeartRadio and Pandora. You can also find us on soundcloudcom slash break. We're on Twitter, where our handle is at MediaLunchBreak. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Uh, you can find our videos on YouTube.com. We should have a Miss Marvel video coming out very soon. I'm also working on writing a script about Bob Dylan. 
which is going to be... Okay. Uh, yeah, I know. It might go on here. It might go on my personal channel, but I'm leaning towards putting it here. It's an analysis of one of his press conferences that is super weird. Okay. He was 23 years old and... Oh, uh, okay. I think I know this press conference. I think Maybe. Heard, and yeah. the press is asking him questions like... What do you think about the war in China, and do you think you could fix it? And he's like, he's 23, you know, and they're asking him questions about, like, political parties. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, I don't have answers for you. But he starts answering them. Oh, okay. And that's where it's interesting. Okay. He gives them answers whether they're accurate or not. Right. So look for that. You can also find us on TikTok now. We're putting hey. out videos. Putting out little oh. short little snippet videos on TikTok, where our handle is at The Media Lunch Break. Visit our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash The Media Lunch Break. Uh, and give us money. You can also send us an email at themedialunchbreak at gmail.com. That was the subliminal messaging for anyone who didn't pick up on it. If you didn't go back and listen to it, you'll find it. Uh, you can also visit our website, which is themedialunchbreak.com. We have an Amazon affiliate link in the description. Give that a look. We get a small kickback. It's going to be for a Black Widow comic? Sure. Or an actual Black Widow spider. Oh, my God. <laughs> like in a little box. Yep. You can also give us a rating and a reviewing on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or on YouTube. Give us that thumbs up. Special thank you to Julie. Thanks, Julie. And last but not least, we have an announcement. Our Black Widow giveaways, both of them end today. The winners are going to be announced tomorrow, so be sure to check out Twitter and Instagram. For uh, our pages specifically, not just any. You don't just go to Instagram.com or Twitter.com. You can't go to anybody. Right. Just check okay. out our Twitter and Instagram pages to find out if you've won. I'll tell you what. If you don't find it on our Instagram or Twitter, you feel free to go right over to Scarlett Johansson's Twitter <laughs> or Instagram, and you just hound her about it until... Yeah. And just be like, hey, I entered the media lunch break contest, the Black Widow contest. Did I win? And of course, all of that is assuming that I can edit this two hour audio that we've put together on time. So uh, we'll see. Just choose the best hour and then just cut the rest. End. Yep. yep. <laughs> Sounds good. There it is. Yeah. We did Middle it. Middle of a sentence. Yeah. We did it, Chris. We did we it. We did made it. it to the end of this marathon. Yes. We both ran 25 miles. Oh, man. It feels like it. And we talked about Bo Burnham and we talked about the Black Widow movie. Man. Oh, this cute. episode is almost as long as the Black Widow movie. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's true. All right. That's it. Next week. News. Tuesday Newsday. Well, news next week. Tuesday, two weeks from now. Who knows? We'll figure it out. We got to figure something out. Let's just keep talking about Black Widow. <laughs> Might as well. Let's go back around to the starting <laughs> blocks on this one. That's it. <laughs> that, there wasn't a thing. And now there's quite a thing. Quite a here. thing. Yeah. Uh, and now you should go out and do a thing yourself. Make something else. All right. Oh, this went so long. I, I can't even figure out a good ending to get the hell out of here. My kid has now stopped crying. Did you hear a snap? Like a loud snap right no, before? Only in the back of my wife's head. <laughs> or maybe did the crying sound muffled for a little while? No, which probably means you went out the window. I feel like I should go in there and figure it out. You want to leave it running? Let's just leave it running. And go and see what happens? <laughs> I'll be right back. Please, Chris, please walk into that room and wake up your son. I hope to God he walks into the bedroom to check in on how his son is doing and he wakes him up. I want this more than anything. Zeus, praise be to you. I hope that that's what happens. Please let this out. I need this win. I need Chris to accidentally wake his child up after he's been screaming and crying this entire show. Because I need Chris to feel bad because I'm a bad friend.
If you can grant me that one wish, I will be eternally grateful. You did this just so that you could talk to them by yourself, didn't you? No, I didn't say anything. You're full of shit, and I know That's, that you're no, full of shit. No, you're wrong. I don't know what you said during while I was gone, but I hate you for it, and I, just let that be known. Yeah.